Welcome to Quarantine with Lou. This is Keep On Leading audio book um, that I've decided to record this and put it out there for the world um, as the point of the book is to help people improve on leadership, not necessarily to make a whole bunch of money. And if anybody's ever written a book, you know that that's not what happens when you write a book. Um, <clears throat> so I'm putting this public, but I'm giving myself some freedom to go a little bit off the pages um, maybe tell the story in a more natural way than I would than if I was reading it to you. Um, so going to do a little bit of that, uh, but we are still going to cover the information that is in the book and give you the lessons that are in the book that if anybody wants to follow this, you can, you can follow it through and get the tasks and essentially get the same information that you would if you had the physical copy in hand. Uh, but if you do decide to get the physical copy afterwards, you're not going to lose anything from having that as well. Um, so I'm going to start with uh, reading the forward from Colonel Brandon Teague, uh, who you'll hear in the story is a um, very important person in my life, one of the best leaders I've ever worked for, um, really an amazing man. And he wrote a very kind forward that I'd like to read to you today. So being a leader is one of the most professionally rewarding things a person can do in business or the military. But it can also be one of the most frustrating if gone about in a way that is detrimental to the organization. I've been a professional leader for almost 30 years in the U.S. military and have been in numerous situations that call for a brand of leadership that most read about in history books. When lives are on the line, you must be the best version of yourself as consequences for failure are potentially catastrophic. Being a leader is all about taking care of those that are in your charge, whether that's in the military, in business, a school teacher, first responders, or just in your family. We all have an obligation to be a leader at some point in our lives. And the one thing that's always brought me through the hardest leadership situations is knowing that I'm being counted on by those around me to take care of them. We owe our subordinates nothing less. Being a leader is by no means easy. It takes a certain dedication to being better than others, both in your professional and in your personal life, as they all intertwine and will set the stage for success for you, your subordinates, and your organization. In this book, Lewis takes you through many different scenarios, both during his time in the military and in business, and gives you simple ideas and techniques to become the best version of leader that you can be. Some of these thoughts and techniques sound simple in principle, but are extremely difficult in execution. Being a leader is sometimes knowing when to be a follower and letting the situation dictate what is needed. Everyone has a choice when it comes to leadership. You can be the leader that counsels your subordinates and displays what right looks like through your actions and not your words, or you can lead by fear. One style will motivate those around you to step up and do what's right. And the other will have your subordinates doing what is required just to get by. No organization has ever achieved full success when the leader uses fear as a motivator. There are numerous cases throughout history that we can turn to, to confirm this. Subordinates just respond better when they're motivated by the leader in the organization. I have many times been asked why I followed a certain leader that I found inspiring. The answer is quite simple. I didn't want to let them down. And that's what inspiring leaders bring to the table. Through their actions, humility, and empathy towards those that they lead, they inspire everyone to be the best versions of themselves. 
that version is usually something that would be disappointed if anything less than success is achieved for the greater good of the organization. Do you respond well when you're berated in front of your peers when things don't go just right? How about being belittled because your work wasn't up to the standard that your boss thought was appropriate? These are the techniques of leaders who do not know how to lead and are trying to make up for their shortcomings. In this book, Lewis is trying to pass on some of those time-tested techniques of great leadership and make you and your organization more successful. As you read this book, ask yourself what you would do in each of these situations. Hopefully you have someone that you can turn to as a mentor to ask for guidance along the way. I self-reflect on an almost daily basis to ensure that I'm doing the best that I can for those that I lead. I take the time in the morning to think about my day and put positive energy into being the best version of myself. As you read this, think about that. What have you done today to make yourself, your organization, and those around you better? Enjoy the book. So Colonel Teague's awesome. Um, all right, introduction. Um, so here's where I'm gonna tell you the story a little bit differently than what is written in the book. Um, we were patrolling uh, in Afghanistan along the border and we were in this high mountain ridge. We looked across the ridge and noticed a team of men walking towards us. And they were in a particular type of formation, which is a formation that we use. We call it traveling overwatch. So you're in kind of a V shape. You got a point man two to each side and kind of like that. And they were moving along this mountain pass and immediately recognize this. And at this point have to make a decision. So um, trying to figure out, are these enemy or are these friendly? We start to put my guys in a hasty ambush position. So we're doing everything with hand and arm signals, giving the signal for an enemy. You know, we got this, there's five of them the, you know, start getting online and, and we're giving everybody the direction. And, and as I'm doing that, we had an interpreter with us who carried an AK-47. And the interpreter got a little scared and racked his weapon. And at 10,000 feet on a remote Afghanistan mountain, the loud metal of an AK-47, that sound travels for miles. The soldiers that were maybe 300 meters away from us turned and looked. And my squad leader said, can I shoot? Now, in a fraction of a second, the decision that I'm about to make is something that could, well, it will have life and death consequences. Um, someone is going to die based on what I am about to say. And if I say the wrong thing, then the wrong person dies. So I look across and I have to assess the situation quickly. Are these farmers? You know, farmers, goat herders, they were typical to be seen in that area. Um, but they didn't walk in large groups of five guys and they didn't have, a, they didn't walk in a formation. Um, so the question was, are these friendly military? Could they be Pakistani military patrolling that border? Well, you know, they had mismatched uniforms. Um, so maybe, maybe not. That wasn't necessarily an indicator. Um, but 
what we did know is that just the day prior, we had gotten into a fight in that particular location with a group of enemy that looked a lot like these guys. And in the time that I was thinking about this, the enemy turned and raised his weapon and pointed it at us. So I gave the order. Shoot. The single round went off and hit the first point man in the head. His arms flailed out to the side and he fell backwards. And he was dead. The second round went off from my team and it hit another guy in the hip. And this guy dropped his weapons and his hands went to his hip. And then he fell in a heap next to the first guy. It's one word. <sighs> Two guys died. And then the world erupted with bullets. Scores of rounds just coming in absolutely every direction. What we had thought was five guys. And it turned out to be a much larger team. And as we engaged them, realized that they were starting to maneuver around us because the rounds were no longer coming from the front. They were coming from the front and from the right and from the left and slowly started to look and realize we are getting encircled. We're a much smaller team. This force must be three times larger than ours or more. And so I gave the order to bound back and fire teams. So we had trucks in the back with some machine guns near the top of the mountain. So we had to fight our way backwards. Um, so I give the order to bound back. And basically what happens is one team lays down suppressing fire. So you're shooting at the enemy while the other team gets up and moves and then they get down and they start laying down suppressing fire. And that first team picks up and they move and they get down and they start doing it. And so you do this bounding back and fire teams. Um, and it's a way to be able to keep the enemy heads down while also move your troops um, and keep the potential for casualties down, particularly in an area where we were, where it was a high angle, there was not a lot of cover and concealment, um, and things were starting to get really intense. Um, bullets were zinging past everywhere, right at our feet, the rocks are kicking up. Uh, explosions in the trees above us. Um, and we hadn't been in country for very long and we were at 10,000 feet. So we were heavy. We had a lot of armor on us. We weren't used to the elevation. So I remember walking. I was so out of breath. I was walking and thinking to myself, like, run, you idiot. You're going to get shot. And I just physically couldn't do it as the volume of fire got higher and higher. And uh, I was trying to get on the radio to call for artillery support. Uh, but right as the firefight started, we lost radio contact as well. It was just literally everything that could go wrong was going wrong at that point. And my squad leader, he's firing rockets, he's throwing grenades, and we're all shooting. And he turns to me and he's like, where's the artillery? And he said, I'm trying, man. I got no radio comms. And so the things are getting really intense. And then I hear the sound, the call for a medic. I'd left the medic and with the trucks kind of pulling rear security for us. So we didn't have a medic and I'm thinking, you know, now somebody's injured and I hear, as soon as I hear medic, uh, not in, just a couple seconds later, he's ambulatory, which means that the guy can walk. I said, okay, you know, move him back fast. Let's go. Let's, let's get everybody back. And, and let's start moving back. And, and at this point, you know, 
enemy is within 10, 15 meters. I mean, I'm looking people in the eyes when I'm shooting at them. They have closed in on our position. Um, grenades are no longer effective. They're so close. I mean, we're, we're just really deep in this. Um, so I look at my radio operator and in the vehicles, in our trucks, we had these things called power amps that you could plug your radio into it. And um, that would increase the power and it gives you more range. Um, so I told the radio operator, I said, I want you to just don't look back, just keep moving, plug this thing into the truck and call artillery on our position right here, right where we're standing. And he kind of looked at me and <laughs> I could see that. And, and this look on his face, like, I'm not calling artillery on you guys. And I was like, dude, we're not going to be here. By the time you call, this is where the enemy is going to be. We'll, we will have moved by then. Now go, you know, and I, I picked him up and I told him to go. And I turned around and I saw um, some motion to my left. Uh, and this guy popped up over the ridge line and he had, he was basically behind one of those teams that was bounty and, and they were down and shooting at this point. So this other team, and he was down and, and he had kind of plunging fire on all of them. Um, and before he could fire around, I just shot and it, uh, it hit the round, the ground in front of him. And so I started, you know, adjusting and he started running and, um, you know, that was the first time that I had ever tried to fire uh, rounds under such heavy adrenaline and intensity. Um, and, uh, you know, he dropped back down below the ridge and I didn't see him again. And, you know, I don't know what happened there, but as soon as that was done, a round kind of zinged back past my face. And it was so close that like I felt the wake of the round and then another one came at me and it hit the tree and Bart kind of smacked me in the face. And, you know, I checked my hand and it was like, I stepped outside of myself and I looked at me and I said, Lewis, get down. Right. So I hit the ground. I'm laying on the ground. I fire a magazine towards each of the guys that had just uh, shot me. And, um, you know, it was about 60 rounds in, in just a few seconds, you know, maybe 10 or 15 seconds. Um, and then I got up quickly and, and we started taking over the battle again. Um, so, you know, I, I, I told the squad leader like, Hey, you know, get these guys moving back. I'm going to head towards the trucks and I'm going to get control of this radio. Um, and, you know, call the medevac and do all of these things that we need to do that I, I just simply can't do. And, and at this point we had, we had made our way back a significant amount. Um, and we were reaching kind of a choke point the way the terrain was, it was sort of, you know, a cliff on one side and, and we had some Afghan army on another. So the only way the enemy to come looking after us, they'd have to go through this choke point in the terrain. Um, so we would effectively reduce their numbers, right? So because they would have to get close and tight, it didn't matter how many they had anymore. They couldn't, they couldn't physically surround us. Um, so, you know, we, we went back and, and, um, I'll, I'll just say that, you know, at the end of the day, uh, everybody made it back. Um, you know, our, our, our one soldier, um, he was in the face, he had been shot in the face actually. And the round went through his cheek. It didn't hit his teeth. It didn't hit any bone and, but he was bleeding a lot. Um, and you know, he was kind of smiling from the other side of his face. And, um, you know, I, I looked at this point and, 
you know, we, we got back to the trucks, we got everybody on the radio and, and we were refitting, re, you know, putting our, our stuff together. And, and this is a decision that was always kind of difficult for me because, um, you know, you want to fight, you want to win the fight, but we just weren't in a position to keep fighting that day. Um, and so, you know, I had to make the call that, that we were going to leave. Um, and that was a difficult choice and, and something that's kind of bugged me for a long time that we left that day without, you know, closing with the enemy. Um, so, you know, I, I want to tell that story to talk a little bit about, you know, leadership and what happens out there and that every leader has a decision that kind of bugs them. You know, when you've been in a leadership position, there's something that you've done or you've said um, that's going to stick with you for a while. And leadership is lonely and it's exhausting and burdensome on your mind. But if it's done right, it can be really rewarding. Um, and you have an opportunity to affect real and, and positive change in organizations and in people. And you can leave a mark on the world and do some real good if, if you do it right. Um, so this book, it's divided into three parts and, and they're arranged in a particular order. And, and um, you know, I'm going to release this in a certain order. And I strongly encourage you to follow along in the order that it's written. And it takes some time for that self-reflection and identify the lessons you can learn and apply them with the, with the mindset. Uh, you know, I believe leadership is a skill like athleticism. And, you know, some people are more suited to the task and some are naturals. Um, I'll never be as good at basketball as LeBron James, no matter how much I practice. Um, but if you do that, you, this book will help you, um, find those things that, that contribute to your particular style and your skill. Um, and even if you're not that kind of natural leader that I think that you can find and train those muscles, those leadership muscles and, and get really good at it. Um, and, it, and this is a little bit different of a book because it not only addresses the necessary areas of, of self-reflection, but it tells you how to examine the members of your team, how to address the team as a whole. And, um, and it talks about real life experiences. Everything is going to give you a story and then we're going to give you a task. Um, so the first part is, is leading yourself and it's the bulk of this book. It's to instill some self-discipline and have the right mental state and conduct yourself professionally, get your life in order, that kind of stuff, right? Um, because the guy who looks unkempt and can't keep personal relationships out of work um, and, uh, you know, talk, it, it, that person is just not a very inspiring person. Um, and being subject to an addiction like alcohol or, you know, gossip or obesity, uh, uh, that's going to lower your standing in the group and prevent you from achieving your full potential. And the next section is keep on leading people. And in this section, you'll be challenged to look at your team as individuals and each with, you know, desires and needs and wants and uh, getting to know them and understanding how to motivate each individual person and, and showing you some tips and techniques on how to do that. And then the final thing, which is what everybody wants to rush to do is leading teams. And on this here, we're gonna, we'll discuss setting goals. And, and achieving them and how to challenge the team and build that cohesion. Um, and I'll give you some tips on how to communicate to maximize results. Okay. Um, so at this point, enjoy the stories presented. Um, I, I hope you're going to enjoy this journey and take it along with me. 
and set yourself a goal to actually finish this. Um, I think if you go through this and you do the tasks that are associated with this, uh, you're going to see a change in the way that you and your team relate to each other. So at this point, we're going to go ahead and stop this. This is our introduction to the Keep On Leading. And uh, as soon as we have the next, the next chapter, we'll do chapter one and, and kind of start moving through it. So thanks for joining in.